Welcome to Space Bros, the sci-fi movie podcast for bad bitch feminists. I'm Kate, and with me is the campy yet femme yet high production value uh, best friend, girl of my dreams, Mary Johnston. What up? What up? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> as campy or femme as one can be without wearing pants that have a button on them for over a month. I mean, you know, <laughs> it's funny because like that in in the movie version of our lives in which we are doing the movie Paradise Hills, that would be a good description of you. But also in my day to day right now, I haven't worn makeup in days. We're going to talk about Paradise Hills, but first we wanted to talk about um, a little a little adaptation we got to enjoy during our quarantine pandemic life that is ongoing, um, which is Emma. You know what? Okay, you want to know what's funny mm. about this bumper that we're doing? Mm. In our pre-episode chatter, we were talking about when we recorded uh, Paradise Hills, you were a day away from being done with your quarantine. Oh my god. And we talked about Emma and how much we wanted to see it. Oh, that's really cute. Cool. cool I'm cool, so cool, cool. excited to see the new Emma movie. Oh, I want to see it. Ooh, me too. When does it come I out? I think it comes out this Friday. So as in Ooh, tomorrow. That's Is tomorrow really Friday? Yeah, girl. Uh, yeah. How's Is this the end of your quarantine? This is our last <laughs> quarantine day. Yeah, laugh. we're going I'm out for dinner at you. Tom- tomorrow night so it's it's the last of the mm. quarantine what sweet summer children we were <laughs> exactly i was like i get to exit no no everyone gets to come inside with me <laughs> yeah no I, I was out of my quarantine for a day a day yeah. and then i went back inside <laughs> ridiculous we i we rented emma uh you can rent it for $20 because it's not going to theaters and an Andrew Jackson <laughs> and I know that sounds like an outrageous amount of money but if you think about it in terms of like going to the theater it's not A and B I really enjoyed it and I watched it more than once and you and shared it around I, I piggybacked and I shared on, it around I piggybacked on yours your sister watched it your mom watched your yeah. copy so you can like yeah. really do a viewing thing I've been thinking about uh, treating my parents to it because it's so good I loved so this good. movie loved this I, movie like, I can't wait to buy it like yeah. that's really where I am is I'm like when does it release for purchase like fuck renting it like for 40 bucks i'd buy it right now yeah you know it's great it's so um, good what is so what did you love the really most good. about it i i loved i loved the the filmic quality i loved the added scenes like the the little bit of history we get when we see like uh harriet playing a parlor game at the boarding house i loved that it rewarded rewatching, and i know because i watched it more than once because i am Again, I was getting my money's worth, guys. I just, I thought from from top to bottom, it was a lovely adaptation and a lovely time. I thought it was the most successful Emma adaptation I've seen. And I've watched like the PBS and I'm not, I'm usually one who's like, shorter adaptations are the worst because I love the BBC Pride and Prejudice. I loved mm-hmm. the PBS Emma, but I thought that this was far and away better. Just, just economical in every regard and beautifully put together. 
and well acted. Mary, what did you like? I liked all that stuff, of course. So I've always liked the story of Emma a lot because yeah, this is this is your favorite of the Austin. It's novels, my favorite correct? Austin novel, and um, and I haven't read them all, but I've we, read a lot of them. Yeah, and, and well, and we, and we did a reading of from Emma at your wedding. Yeah, we. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You had a reading yeah. from Emma. At the your last, wedding. the last we, the royal we. The last two paragraphs of Emma was were yeah. one of the readings of my wedding. So I love, I love Emma. It's my favorite. Um, and the reason it's my favorite is. I feel like Jane Austen is, of course, an, an amazing writer and uh, a genius and wonderful. If I was going to flaw her on one thing, I think that she typically gives us characters that are so relatable. Uh, the main characters, the, the, the heroes, are so relatable, they almost don't have real flaws. Pride and Prejudice is a masterpiece. I think that you would be hard-pressed to say that it is not her best work and like and deserves every bit. It is not overblown. It is not uh, overrated. It deserves all that's accolades. Yeah, it, de- it deserves the accolades, of course. What I specifically like about Emma, however, is, however, comma, <laughs> I like Emma because I think that Emma is one of the most flawed of Austen's characters. And it, in, in being flawed, she gives us a true coming of age story that is timeless for women. And I like that a lot. Like you don't, you don't necessarily have that in her other stories that it's different kinds of no. narrative arcs. But Emma is a coming of age story of a girl who has a little bit too much time on her hands, is smarter than most of the people that she knows and can see, can kind of play with people and social situations and try to control and manipulate things kind of for her own entertainment, but also because she wants to do the right thing. Right. And yeah, she's delightfully flawed. Like you understand that. And this adaptation, what I like about it is usually what they do to kind of control for that. You see this in clueless who is more likable than Alicia Silverstone. No one doesn't like her. She's like, she's sunshine in a bottle. Right. Then you have Emma with Gwyneth Paltrow. Absolutely. Then you have Emma with Gwyneth Paltrow. Gwyneth Paltrow, like, couldn't manipulate you to, to doing anything. Like, they always cast sort of these very charming, but, like, sort of gentle creatures to be Emma. Yeah. And that's not who Emma actually is. Emma yeah. is... Emma has, like, some edge. Like, she has... She has the kind of sociopathic tendencies that teenage girls have, and that's fine. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. And I just, I think that, yeah, I think that Anya Taylor-Joy has that, like, mix, that perfect mixture, such a good cast uh, for Emma. She has that good mixture of being, like, a little bit ethereal, but, like, not in, like, an angel way, like, in a demon way. And I think that that's good, because that's how teenage girls are. Like, yeah. And you understand that she, like, means well, but but the harm she does cause is real. Like people really do get their feelings hurt and you and you know that that hurts her too. And like just Oh the, my god, that moment oh, with Mrs. Bates. Picnic. Oh. Yes. I the last thing I want to say about Emma and I don't know if you have more you want to say, but the last thing I want to say about Emma is that Jane Austen uh, spoke of Emma saying that she had written a heroine that she loved but she thought she would be the only one. <laughs> And I, if, if I you think can't, that does sum it you up. You can't have like an unlike that is like the classiest way to say like I wrote kind of an unlikable heroine. <laughs> <laughs> yep, <laughs> yep. And I think that I think that uh, you know I think she convinces us that to like Emma for sure. Um, but I 
I love that. I love that she's not perfectly likable. I just, you know, Ransom Austin, watch the adaptation, have a glorious time, and, oh, you know. Drink in just the, the way it looks. It's so pretty. It's it's beautiful. It's it's a little life giving. I think you'll really enjoy it. So I put this. I yeah. say the same thing that I said about uh, Little Women. Um, watch it with men. I agree. Watch it with men. Watch it with men. Because I, I bet a man. I bet you know, once again. I bet not very many men have seen uh, Jane Austen movies. So kick that door open for them. Kick that door wide open and let them enjoy what a fucking treat it is. Yeah, because it is. I dare you. At this moment in time, I dare <laughs> you not to like this movie. <laughs> Perfect. Should we dive into Paradise Hills? Let's do it. Okay. Talking about Paradise Hills. Um, I sought out this movie for two reasons, basically. I happened to see the trailer and was completely blown away by the promises it made on the production design. Yeah. It's and gorgeous. Delivered. Yeah, it's gorgeous and surreal and creepy and just it looked like it looked like it was gonna be good. And then it is also a science fiction. I noticed it was a science fiction movie directed by a woman named Alice Waddington. In preparation for this episode, I did a little bit of reading about her and uh, I came across this quote. This is Alice speaking. Women, myself included, want to direct science fiction. Mm -hmm. They want to direct action films. They want to direct creature features. These world's characters' most memorable traits are nominally feminine. They drive cars. They have passion. Their willingness to adapt, to survive. And whether your story is set in a parallel universe or the 7-Eleven around the corner, without empathy for your characters and a universal emotional core in every sequence, you've got no movie. And I thought that was really cool. <laughs> I like 100%. that she's like putting it out there. This is her first feature length movie. She's done shorts before. This is her big directorial debut. So let's chat about it a little bit. What were your first impressions of this, this film? Okay, well, my first impression was, whoa. I really enjoyed when we did the OG Stepford Wives. If you haven't listened to our app, check it out. If you haven't seen it, it's on Amazon Prime. But this this was like the Stepford Wives, but with an ending that like I wanted. Um, yeah. Because, man, I hate that ending. Not because it's not great, but because like, you know. It, it's, well, it's, it's nihilistic it's a, and it's, sad. It's nihilistic yeah. and a goddamn bummer. So for this, I was like, fuck yeah. There's some mess here and there. There are a little bit of plot inconsistencies. And at places, it's like fairy tale over sci-fi. But overall, I think it's fucking dope. So, you know, yeah, I was so thrilled we got to watch it. And I can't wait to dig into it. I'll give you a little bit of background, listeners, on what this movie is about. So the story centers around a young woman named Uma who wakes up in this, like, unsettlingly beautiful reform school for wealthy, rebellious young ladies. And she's told by the headmistress to consider that this experience is an opportunity to think about her life from a new perspective and that the school no matter what she thinks about it, has a 100% success rate. Uma herself cannot imagine how therapy, which consists of light yoga, tiny, tiny food, and a new hairdo will make her over into the daughter of her mother's dreams. So what's actually going on here? And we'll get into it. Yeah. The first thing about this movie is that it is beautiful. And, you know, normally we stick a topic like this at the end, but I think actually that the beauty and the um, symbolism and the visuals of this are like doing most of the power lift of this film. One hundred percent. Like <laughs> so they're I most think we should start with it. This movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny because like we said, the only redeeming thing about Jupiter Ascending was that some of the visuals were pretty, but like this movie is gorgeous 
and also has a little bit of a backbone. Yes. I, I, I actually genuinely like the story, but I, I was just impressed. Me too. I was impressed that the visuals were more than just the bait. Like, I think when you're watching this, you're supposed to believe that it's so pretty so that you don't question the bad things that are going on underneath it. Yeah. And it's sort of like a it's sort of like a, a double hoodwink in that. Yeah. Because it's actually telling you exactly what it's so pretty, but it's telling you exactly what they think these women should be. And also is, a, I think, some commentary on what it is to be rich. Yeah, that this that you are afforded a lifestyle of beauty because you have money. So it's it's more it's it's not just eye candy. It it's it's saying some stuff. You know, I actually want to for to talk about the visuals and stuff. I and the rich texture that is this film. I kind of want to dive into the very beginning just to start. Sure. Emma Roberts, who is playing Uma has just completed her wedding as a part of the post-wedding ceremony is singing a song. And I know that we're talking visuals, but like, I think that this fits in the mise-en-scene, uh, the song she's singing. The lyrics start with like, being yours to keep, your servant, I'll cater to all your needs, counting to you all your sins one by one. Our lives ignite the fire, the flames grow higher. You are my salvation. And it's really interesting because, like, it looks like she has this cage around her mouth. And it's almost like a chastity muzzle while she's singing. But, like, it's golden. It has delicate pearls on it. And you find out, like, at the end of the song that it's actually just a part of her veil when she pushes it up. Like, this idea of this trapping of of something that's supposed to be beautiful and fun actually being a cage. And you, and you see other people with what look like almost chastity cages on their face that are, like, supposed to be like fashion symbols mm-hmm. it's also fascinating that she has a blue lipstick because it seems to evoke at least to me a dead body yeah. and like like wanting yeah wanting this corpse like thing wanting the 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 nothingness over like somebody who will resist and have feelings and emotions like when we go in into the the day spa so to speak there's this gorgeous like tiny like glasses of pink milk and like uh translucent teacups there's edible flowers being served as though that's a meal yeah we see you wearing like a headscarf and has her headphones on over it with which have spikes in them which look like either a crown of thorns or just like a very like you know rocky crown like all of these things are coming together and they all are carrying their weight in a way that's fascinating. Like we'll get we'll get more into like the beautiful trappings, but like I just I loved how detailed they went in on the visuals and like how much they made it like work. And you also still have this futuristic bent. Like they have these gauzy beds, and then at night, like the edges of the beds are like EL wire. Like they glow like neon. You know, like um, it's just it it's fucking amazing. Mary, what are your thoughts? I mean, my favorite. If I have to pick just one visual element. For like pound for pound, it's cool looking, and it also says exactly what we're supposed, what we what we are meant to understand about this place. It has to be their uniform dresses, and I think it's funny yes. actually that her wedding dress is just a like a grown up and like kind of like fancier version because she still has. So um, yeah. at the at the school, 
they're all of the girls are dressed the same. The girls, they're they're women. They're all like in sure. like yeah. we assume like late teens to and early twenties. Yeah, none of um, them are like young none of them are, and girls. Yeah, none of them are little girls, but they are but they're referred to as mademoiselles, which also is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh they all wear the same thing, which is they're dressed in head to toe white. They have white boots and white tights and a big poofy white skirt that falls to the knee de- you know, demurely. And then they have this corseted top that is constructed from white straps and buckles and their little poofy princess sleeves uh, are made are like kind of are are made of these straps. And they have, you know, it's like they're covered up all the way to the neck where they have a little Elizabethan ruff. They're wearing basically dainty, confining bondage wear. That covers yeah. them from head to toe. Yeah. <laughs> and that's just such a good idea. That's such a, a strong visual metaphor of like what what we are told as as women we are that is expected of us from society. That we are yeah. to be covered up and ladylike, but also very sexy, but also completely submissive to what other people want us to do. And yeah. also it's a bonus if we're a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then, of course, like the whole thing kind of takes place on this island that is basically a giant rose garden. There are flowers everywhere. I cannot believe this movie only cost $10 million to make. Me either, because it, it's, oh, it's fucking beautiful. And I, they, I think most of it is real. Like, I think most yeah. of the flower, I mean, like, definitely a lot of it is enhanced and probably there's a fair amount of it that's CGI, but like, that's not cheap to do either. So I don't know. I don't know how they pulled it off. It's it's really quite spectacular. Yeah. But you have the Duchess herself at the beginning saying um, that she doesn't think she doesn't think that roses um, are bogged down by their thorns. She thinks thorn bushes are redeemable because they have roses. Which I had to think about a little bit because I was like, oh, that seems like a chirpy, optimistic thing to say. But I think throughout you see her like basically she's always manipulating flowers throughout. Yeah. And what she's doing is she's taking the parts she likes the best and she's getting rid of the parts she doesn't like. Like she's always she's always stripping roses of their thorns, basically. Yeah. And. I think that that statement is is perfect because on the outside, that seems like someone who is like, I'm a glass half full person. Yeah. You know, I see I see it. I don't see a rose bush. I see a thorn bush that happens to have beautiful roses on it. But (laughs) But actually, that is implying that people people can be distilled down to redeeming qualities and non-redeeming qualities versus being like, oh, this rosebush needs everything it's got to, like, live its life. No, that's fascinating. Also suggests that you can, like, extract the thing you like and leave the thing you don't and discard the thing you don't like, which saying it's unfortunate that roses have thorns doesn't imply that to the same degree. Totally. I, of course, also loved the weird carousel horse. Yes. Oh, my God. So they have to go through this. This is the this is the one part that's like very like explicitly not like health wellness spa. <laughs> um, yeah. This is when you're like, oh, huh, I think that they're pro- well, there's lots of weird times, but this is like explicitly where you're like, yeah, this isn't right. This is bad. Yeah. As a part of their therapy, uh, they get strapped in 
to this carousel horse that gets raised up. Using the handy harness that they're already wearing. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Using, using the bondage that they're already uh, put into and subjected to, like, video brainwashing torture. They try to say it's not that, but it's it that. It is that. That's what it is, yeah. Also, these car- so they they place you on this carousel horse, and then they hoist you what seems like two stories up, like yeah, like really, really far, like really you can't high. Just get down without like pretty much. I I mean, I imagine at least seriously injuring yourself. You know, yeah, you cannot jump. Like, there's no question. And I think that that's like sort of a um, is meant to. I, I read a lot about it. people were like that was just so weird. I'm like, no, it's not. It's like that's not weird. That's- yeah. Yeah. They're showing they're showing you they're, they're trapping you on a thing that's supposed to be fun and yeah. is indicative of childhood. And they're making you feel small and powerless by raising you up artificially way higher yeah. than anything like this would ever go. Like that seems yeah. pretty straight up straightforward. Well, and also like the scale of it that makes you even feel like more of a child, like the way that like when you're tiny and you got on a carousel horse, like, and it felt so high, you know, like yep. it's also like an infantilization. Like it works on so many great levels. I love all the work they do with the infantilization of girlhood things, like the trappings of girlhood, making you feel small and little and like a child and make you into a submissive soul. <laughs> Um, so the carousel horse, uh, the, the bondage princess dresses, um, something on rewatch that I noticed is you really only see them interact with each other. The headmistress, of course, who's sort of, um, who's sort of old, definitely older than them, but she's also flouncing around in like princess dresses. Yeah. But the, but the main people you see them interact with are these men that are kind of like dressed in like space-aged suits of armor that are all white. Literal white knights. Get it? Um, (laughs) And I didn't realize how coded it is that they are men and that the women are girls. Yeah. Like, there's a scene where one of the women is about to graduate, quote-unquote, and and it happens at dinner. They're all sitting down. They're all eating their, like, two pieces of asparagus and a pansy and drinking little cups of milk. And the guards all have flutes of champagne that they like toast to, but they don't give the champagne to the to the residents, to the girls. Yeah, I didn't notice that. Because they're little girls. So they get their yeah. milk, but the men can drink alcohol. It's just really it's like it's nice. It's a subtle good detail. Yeah. To show that like to be masculine is to be an adult and to be feminine is to be a child. Yeah. And and, and how absurd all of that is. You know, gender roles in general for women are absurd and totally stacked against us. They're infantilizing and repressive. Yeah. Um, and it's designed that way. <laughs> like, it's not an accident. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not an accident. It's by design. You know, it, uh, that's, that was kind of my takeaway from, from this use of, uh, of these beautiful trappings of femininity as, uh, as, as tools uh, to actually shape submission. Um it's kind of like how <clears throat> I'm not shocking anyone here when I use broad terms like the patriarchy. It's kind of like how the patriarchy gives us chains and beautiful forms so that we'll acquiesce without complaint in general. Like let's let's be perfectly literal. And I'm and I'm using an example that was more relevant in the past than it is today. Mm-hmm. And that's marriage, which for a long time meant giving up your independence. Because like Blackwell's law said that 
a man couldn't rape his wife because his wife was his property and you can't like rape yourself, you know, like she was a part of himself. Like that was literally the legal reasoning. But to get people to be okay with it, other than the fact that you were already repressed anyway, you got distracted by the beauty of a wedding, your dowry, your gifts, like all these ways in which it was made to be the main work of womanhood, which was this performative beauty. Yeah, we're we're given high heels to have like more beautiful legs, but they make it hard to run. Like I stopped wearing heels literally when I was working at the VA and they were like, sometimes you're going to have issues with a veteran and there's possibly someone will come in with a gun and you should be able to run. And I was like, wait, why am I wearing shoes? I can't run in if I need to. And I had for years thought like, well, you can take off your heel and use the spike as a weapon. But like at the end of the day, if I need to actually run and not fight, then this is dumb. And I'm not saying I'll never wear heels again or that like you're bad if you do. But I think we're socialized to like our cages, to desire them. Oh, like yeah. to, to take a trip back down memory lane to the Rise of Skywalker podcast. I think Hoppin' Solo is hot and uh, I'm willing to forgive him for in a prior incarnation of himself wanting to dominate the world as supreme leader. And I'm not confused that that's socialization with the patriarchy that I'm willing to make that forgiveness. Like, these are the stories we tell. And so this... Well, and also, you could never have a bad person who's beautiful. Right, right. There's just like, yeah, <laughs> right? no, totally. That's crazy. Only bad people are ugly. Mm-hmm. Like, that's also, mm-hmm. that's also that's, like That's a, an early socialization as well. Yeah. Yeah. The way yeah. we tell our stories. It was an advancement when we could tell stories about beautiful villains. But even those villains aren't necessarily considered 100% unredeemable the way that an ugly villain is, you know? Um, oh, right. No, in general, we're invited to like beautiful villains. Um, yeah. Or... To- to or sympathize with them or to hope for them or think we can change them. Or, and this is something that I actually think this movie does so much better than a lot of other pieces of media, which I would consider feminist and great. Like, I think that there's a fair amount. Um, unfortunately, Mean Girls is the only thing I can think of right off the top of my head that does this, but it absolutely does this, where you have a character like Caddy, um, Lindsay Lohan, at her height of her power and probably the end of her power, sadly. Um, who is like an unbelievably beautiful Hot take R.I.P. Katie's uh, Katie's Katie's power and Mean Girls. Yeah, Go ahead. sorry, but she's like an unbelievably beautiful person, right? Yeah, and the corruption that they show her participate in by by trading to become a popular girl is superficiality, right? She begins to care about the way she looks. She starts getting she starts getting more hot. And basically, I think there is a lot of coding in that movie where it's like, well, she was beautiful when she was just wearing jeans and she was a better person when she was just wearing jeans. Yeah. It's when she's trying too hard, when she wears mini skirts and heels that she becomes a bad person. Yeah, and- when she's trying to own her appearance and own her uh, sexuality is when she becomes villainous. Or when she's living up to what are the standard expectations of women in high school, <laughs> like, yeah. right? Like no, that, yeah. that this is that this is the world that she's brought into, and then we punish her for like being too good at it, and yeah. then and then this is not going to become a Mean Girls podcast. But then, if you notice, <laughs> the actual bad character Regina is only redeemable when she starts succeeding at a traditionally male t- activity, which is sports. Yeah. Like at, when you see her at the end, she's like butched up playing field hockey, which mm-hmm. is there's nothing wrong with playing field hockey. Obviously, there's nothing wrong with being butch. It's all great. I love it all. But in that story, 
I think that the ultimate the ultimate thing that they're trying to tell you is that the trappings of femininity are bad and the trappings of masculinity are better. That that's yeah. how you if you want to be a good woman, you're going to you're going to be more like a man. And that's messed yeah. up. And I don't think that this movie does that. This movie, I think, is showing you that there's these beautiful cages, but but they don't make past judgment. It's not like, oh, these girls, none of the girls have come to the quote unquote therapy. No one, no one one volunteered. No one gets high on their own supply. Like, yeah, no one's like, but I'd have to leave all this behind or like anything like that. There's we don't have a moment of that. But we do show the women. We show some of the women not enjoying their makeovers, but you have Chloe who's like, I think this is a vacation. And you know what? I look good. I like I like what they did with my hair. And it's not and she's not judged for that. So I like that. I like that they don't depict um, feminine qualities as being weak or inherently fake. If anything, they're suggesting that all these women in a princess dress or in sneakers and a bathrobe, which is what Uma arrives in, all Mm -hmm. of them always have competence and autonomy and that is taken for granted and like that's just like given like that is the way that they are and they have it no matter what and that it's work to take that away from them it's so much work that this this uh facility doesn't actually ever take it away from them right yeah they yeah. just distract them with a pretty cage. So I think it's say, suggesting, I, I, I think it does a, a more nuanced job. And I think it's because, to be honest with you, it's made by women who understand yeah. that, like, yeah, sometimes you want to wear heels and there's nothing wrong with it. Like, if, if you like it and it makes you feel powerful and good, go for it. Or it makes you feel more comfortable in a social situation. It's fine. Like, you can do that thing. It doesn't mean that you're not, that you're not enough. Totally. Mary, to, to quote the inimitable uh, uh, Cheryl Crow, if it makes you happy, <laughs> it can't be that bad. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. But I thought that that was cool. And, and you know, you have you have these things that are you have these things that, you know, you're like, oh, that's stepping over a line. Like when she's got a cage on her face, you're like, mm, not yeah. great. Yeah. <laughs> Not great. And like you see the beds and you're like that bed. I, like I would love to have a bed like that. That be- the beds are so cool looking. But then yeah. I'm like, mm, I don't really only want to eat a pansy for dinner. No, <laughs> like, edible flowers do not actually sound appetizing. I'm I'm no. good. Or, I'll, or, or I'll at least, hard pass on that. Yeah, or, or at least, least only nourishing. edible flowers doesn't yeah. sound great. Oh no 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 no. Put an edible flower in my cocktail or yeah, on beautiful. my cupcake, whatever, or in. A bowl with, like, you know, fish and, like, broth and, you know, whatever. A, a beautiful salad. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think that we see... Allow me to don my tinfoil hat for a moment. Yes, please. This is the place. <laughs> I feel like the reason this movie was not promoted and pushed forward and as successful as something like Hunger Games or any other sort of, like, YA dystopian future kind of movie is because it's clearly made by a woman for other women like you can just tell that looking at it you know similar to little women the title and the way that it's so good 
Yeah. And, and like a much better, I mean, Little Women is like actual, like beautiful art. Y- yes, yes, yes. We haven't gotten to the part <laughs> yeah. where like we talk about the plot inconsistencies and like the, yeah, the big, this movie and, and the twist, but um, which half of which is amazing and then half of which doesn't yeah. carry its weight, but that's okay. Yeah, this is not a perfect movie like Little Women, which was a perfect movie. Um, But like that movie, I'm, I'm not pretty... laughing because I disagree. I'm just laughing because, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like these movies are wh- movies that are marketed for women. Right. Little Women is literally called Little Women. I doubt very many men would go see it if they didn't have prior knowledge of the the source material and they knew they liked it or they didn't have a woman in their life who was like, we should go see this. And they were like, cool and down with it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that it's not enjoyable or that if they went, they wouldn't enjoy it. I know I've taken men to see Little Women and they liked it. I've seen. Me I've, too. I've sat with men and watched this movie, and they liked it too. But I bet if you watch it in theaters, no man is going to just go see it. And I think that people think that's a risk, and it sucks. It does suck. And I think that's why it's having problems distributing normally. <laughs> like, yeah, that's really sucks. No, it's really stupid because it is a beautiful movie. And it's better than lots of movies that get distributed widely. So, like, I don't. It just it doesn't make a lot of sense. And the fact that it hasn't even been rescued by like a streaming giant, you know, like yeah. I doesn't doesn't make sense. Yeah, I think that this will. I think this has cult uh, cult classic potential. Yeah, I as think long it'll as enough be... people see it to like to right. preserve it. We're doing well, the Lord's work, is what I'm telling you all. <laughs> we're doing the Lord's work. <laughs> I mean, I I don't think I would have seen this movie. I didn't know about this movie, Mary. I don't think I would have I seen feel, this movie if you hadn't done it for this podcast. I feel like it must have been, like, just fate. Because you know that I love watching, like, like picking. I don't do it very often, but I would say almost quarterly. I watch mm-hmm. all of the trailers that are available on my Apple TV. Like, just I all love them. watching trailers. Same. So same, same, same. Fun. So fun. Mm-hmm. And it was one of them. And I, like, and I have, like, a... <laughs> because I'm a crazy person, I have a spreadsheet where I put movies in and then, like, write little notes next to it. I'm like, ooh, must see. And, like, this is why. So I have, like, so, so I can remember it when um, I look back Not on only it. does that not make you a crazy person, I would like you to share that spreadsheet I with me immediately. That. Yes, Like, I immediately. Will. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Yeah. So, like, I kind of, I saw it. I far forgot about it. I went back to that list because I was looking for things to do for Space Bros. And I was like, oh, Paradise Hills. Yeah, duh. I wonder how I missed that when it came out in theaters. And it's because it, like, ran for, like, two weeks and then left. Horrible. But I, I will say, if you if you feel like we're not describing it accurately, imagine like if Final Fantasy did th- that episode of Black Mirror Nosedive about the woman who is like in an Instagram hellscape. It's very yeah. it's very dark. But ba- basically, Nosedive. Anyone who's seen it knows it's the it's what I would call the pink episode. It's very pink mm. all the way through. Well, and this is beautiful and pink and soft and, like, also there's, like, a Mediterranean ocean and everything's gauzy. But, like, not even, like, overly print. Like, it, yes, it's very hyper-feminine. But, like, not in a way that, like, the white dresses make it not feel like you're choking on, on cotton candy or something. But, like, right. it's just, it's lush. It like, richly textured, you know? I read this review from, like, a what I believe is a um, online video game periodical (laughs) is how I'm going to describe that. Like I'm a million years old. Sure. Um, sure, sure. And they pointed out that they pointed out that this particular aesthetic that we're describing has been in video games for a really, really long time, but it's still super fresh in a movie. And they're right. But like uh, Zelda kind of looks like this, right? Where where I I think what they're getting at is, 
this sort of like princes and prin- and princesses and castle metaphor, but also sort of like um, an actionscape, w- which an island is, islands and caves and oceans and those sorts of things, all makes sense in a video game world. We just rarely see it in movies. So yeah. I actually do think it's kind of funny that, I mean... It's this has definitely come a long way, but I don't think it's shock. I'm not going to shock you by informing you that um, video games are quite popular with men. Um, <laughs> so I think it's what what. So I think it's kind of funny that this aesthetic is so video game ish, and yet we're like not for men. No, 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 no man can watch this. Uh, yeah. They would they their 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 eyes would fall out of their head. With that, ob- obviously, we are thrilled to have as many male listeners as we do. You of know, course. like we're we're speaking to you all because you're in on the joke. Like yeah. you know, this you is get, it's you guys ridiculous. get it. You, you guys get, get it. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, a man can only look at a flower if it, he's also being a cartoon plumber who jumps down pipes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Italian where... cartoon plumber, okay? Uh, of you know, course. You gotta get the cultural aspect. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Real quick, I would like to say the last thing about like who this movie is made for. Um, I'd like to say not just women. I'd like to say that this movie was made for me. Like me specifically. Yeah, for sure. And the, for sure. Same, 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 same. What I love is that it's like this high concept, like beautiful art film kind of like look to it that evokes like a fairy tale-esque nature while still being futuristic, which like it reminds me a little bit of Blade Runner and just the fact that it's a futuristic realness and stardust in terms of richness and otherworldliness of a fairy tale. But it like takes camp and makes it look like high art. Like Yes. It, yes. I'm, like, I'm, I'm dazzled. It's like it's fucking gorgeous. Anyway, all right. Yeah, and you know how on. I feel. You know how I feel about camp. I'm actually. Yes, I'm actually. That's t- why was. This was why this was so fun. I feel like this is a blend of like your favorite aesthetic and like yeah. some of my favorite aesthetics, and like it makes this beautiful, perfect film. I mean, not perfect in terms of everything else, but perfect in a lot of ways. Yeah. Oh, I think this is an aesthetically perfect film, if nothing else. Yeah. Um, and I and I and I think it has the, substance too. The, the like monster not... I have like a little bit of like oh, aesthetic issues a, with, but everything a, else. Yeah, what a uh, it's a little bit of a whiff. They should have just not explained it to us. So we haven't really touched on like uh we've we've mentioned the characters, but like let's do like a little bit of a deeper dive on like yep. the ladies at Paradise Hills. Um we got Uma, who's there because uh, she won't, she won't get married. We have you, who can't conform to her high-powered family's expectations. Chloe, who doesn't look like a pageant contestant like her family, and Amarna, who uh, is a musician who isn't allowed to make her own music, which remind me of Kesha. So what's interesting is like for Uma, like her sin is the one of like of of a lack of submission. For you. Right. It's a mental and emotional problem because she has panic attacks and wants to be in a band. For Chloe, it's an aesthetic sin. For uh, Amarna, it's really a sin of wanting autonomy and independence. Yeah, which, a sin of not being enough of a product. Yeah, <laughs> right. which is interesting because it, it makes Uma and Amarna's uh, sins the most aligned, like one of uh, of a lack of submission and one of like a desire of autonomy and not being a product. And I think that's kind of why they're so heavily linked and mm-hmm. a little bit of love. We'll, we'll, oh, we'll I think get that into that a, a little bit later. Fair amount of love. I think that some of it's sort of muddled up, but I think it's yeah. supposed to be even more explicit than what is definitely explicit in execution. Yeah, absolutely. And I and I feel like it's explicit, but I feel like, yeah, they muddle it up is the problem with some other things. 
that's that's yeah. I think one of the weak. And there's points. some confusing storytelling there as well. But I mean, like, yeah. what's not confusing is you understand that all of these women, their their biggest sin, the sin, the reason they're here is because they are commodities, and they have th- and they have become um, risky commodities that are going to threaten other. The, the the standing of their families, their managers, their bands, right? It's the fact that they are, are goods, ultimately, and yeah. they are threatening the other goods. So the family is making sure that they will fall in line and su- and submit. I love what yeah. you're saying about how Uma and uh, Amarna, Amarna uh, are linked because they have they have like the most similar um, they have the most similar sin, whereas Chloe and you have more similar sins as well. I think that's a very yeah. good point. We're introduced to what uh, Uma calls a fascist boarding school, which I love so much, by the Duchess saying that it's a center for emotional healing. And it does mm-hmm. look that way. Like when you look at it loosely, you know, it's like a it's like a bougie spa. Like you have these gorgeously packaged but not filling locale dinners. And they have beauty yeah. treatments and they are doing some like a little bit of witchy mirror therapy and gentle yoga. And I thought this was like just such a wonderful this was wonderful satirical commentary about mm-hmm. the things we ask women to do to optimize themselves. Yeah. I, I just thought it was so cool, like, you know, kind of this uh, and works beautifully with this infantilization theme, too, because, like, basically a lot of this stuff is like, if you follow these rules, you're going to be better. And if anyone's ever, like, tried one of those, like, apps, like, uh, that that are supposed to, like, you know, help you form habits or, or anything like that, it really they really are infantilizing. Like, it's like. First thing you're going to do is every night you're going to put a glass of water on your bedside and you're going to drink it as soon as you wake up in the morning. And that's going to make you just a better human being than you were before. And you're like, if you give it any sort of thought, you're like, who cares? Right. I'm not going to I'm not I'm an American. I'm not going to drink a dusty cup of water. Like, what are we talking about? (laughs) Put it in a bottle. I'm not an animal. (laughs) 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 But like. But like the the sort of arbitrary nature of a lot of that stuff and and how it's really about like following the rules. And if you follow the rules, you're good. And if you don't follow the rules, you're not as good as if you were following the rules. It's also like this hyper bullshit of the unattainable, like this idea that like where self-care gets commoditized into um, into being about spending money sometimes going into debt in order to achieve some sort of ideal, pushing your body, trying to like achieve like trying trying to chase Instagram models who some of whom have eating disorders like you know like yeah you know it's it's again it's not that everything that's being said is revolutionary and new it's just a beautiful way to speak truth to power and I think it's really important that none of it has impact like I think a lesser movie once again going back to like kind of a lesser movie would a lesser movie would show that the brainwashing works on some girls the bad girls the girls that are vain or something like that you know what i mean but i think that it's more true that a lot of the stuff we do to better ourselves doesn't actually matter or have any lasting impact on any of us so why do we do it you find out later that the point of all these activities really are mostly to keep the girls busy the women busy um and so i kind of read that as this is giving the the prisoners (laughs) 
something to work at and that maybe yeah. like the labor of being distracting. Yeah. And the labor of a middle class plus woman, which is what all these women are, right, mm-hmm. is to work on oneself, to like be introspective and work on yourself. But if you talk about that or you talk about the painfulness of that or you buck against it, well, you're just vain or you're not yep. taking care of yourself yep. or how could you let yourself go? Like, you know, all yep. of these things which are not fair. <laughs> it's just no. not fair. No, they're really not. So so that that's what's fascinating about this twist, where we find out that these women are not actually being trained, that they're being distracted, that instead they're being replaced by the very poor who are undergoing surgeries and training to become like them, that are working so hard that they faint, that are just so that they can replace these women because like their lives are so bad. And so it's almost like... You should feel bad about this introspection. You should feel bad about working on yourself. You should feel bad about like, but like, I don't think that that's even been the answer either. But it's a fascinating thing because I do think that that is like you are both told that you need to work on yourself, improve yourself. And then you're also told that that's vain and like that there's like a larger cause to be working at. And like it is such a push pull of bullshit. Yeah. And I think ultimately the way I read that is it's a distraction. No, like, it, it, it is. Like if you were a distraction doing... that, that practices in psychological warfare. Yeah. So I think I think it's okay. Like I don't think it necessarily makes passes judgment on the fact that the women engage no, no. engage in the activities. And which I also no. thought was really solid of them to not be like to not have like some women are doing the stupid you know, light exercise, but Uma doesn't because Uma's a good girl. Like it's no, better. But I, I do think it passes judgment a little bit on like on the fact that like because the society is is actually withholding resources from everyone because it is pitting these people against each other uh, by through the laws of scarcity. These young like in a monologue, these young use replacement kind of speaks to the fact that like you had a beautiful life and you complained. Oh, and I don't totally. think that the movie. I don't think that the movie is saying. It's like you having panic attacks and wanting something more like makes you morally bad or bankrupt. But the society is creating that false economy. And that's oh, kind of what yeah. I'm speaking to. Uh, is I gotcha. like, yeah, I agree. It's like it's like it's like the the taking care of yourself or whatever is just like it's a tiny like microcosm of that. This like take care of yourself or whatever, but also like and, and push yourself and be introspective and navel gaze. But also, like, why aren't you doing more to, like, help everyone else? And, like, it's all, you know, it's all just a fucking mess. It's yeah, just it's a all fucking garbage. mess. I did, like, um, I, first of all, I love this twist because I feel like. Yeah, it, me too. You, the viewer, are put, are, are also seduced into seeing only this world. Like, you're told the entire time that they're rich. You see this lavish wedding at, wedding at the beginning. It's established that there is like a, a pretty severe class system just from yeah. the dialogue. You know all this, but I wasn't necessarily expecting this. I mean, like you knew there had to be a switcheroo. Sure. I thought that they were lobotomizing them. Or no, me it, too. I thought it was a little bit more like Stepford Wives. Yeah, um, or like well, something. Well, what you thought Stepford Wives was. <laughs> right, right. Well, or like replacing them with robots for sure, for sure, for sure. Making doubles. It never occurred to me that they were going to be like, no, we don't need anything sciencey. We have poor people. We can just sculpt rich people exactly. out of poor people. Like that's mm-hmm. that is an awesome twist. And so like lo-fi. And, 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 and poor people who literally 
just want to survive. So like getting a little bit of resources, we give them a little and they're not going to fight. Yeah, they'll do whatever. Well, and and I think that the disdain that the rich girls have or the poor girls have for the rich girls is is good commentary about labor and why we talk about like eating the rich. It's like, why should yeah. I save? Why should I save these people? Yeah. Like Uma's whole deal is that she does not want to be treated like chattel property. I but her copy, Anna, like the woman who is eventually becomes her copy, is like, I didn't have a choice but to sell myself. I thought that that was yeah. also really cool. Like you got the sense yeah. that yeah, like like it would have been just way less way less interesting if it was like, oh, all their parents sold them into doing this or like yeah, they, they no. were bred here. Like it's better that they're people who just had, were so out of options that they were like, yeah, I'm going to do this. This is what I yeah. would do. But yeah. I, I don't know. It's it's very it's very cool. There is a risk that this movie makes and because I'm mostly just talking about it with you, I'm curious I would worry, look, watching this movie, that people wouldn't feel sorry enough for the poor girls because we never see their world. We only see the rich world. Yeah. I mean, and and also the fact that, like, they're interlopers or whatever. So I didn't have a hard time feeling empathetic because, like, you know, because we've seen, like, how high the upper class is. It's easy to imagine how low the lower class is. It's easy to imagine that... For all of this, it's kind of like the movie Us. For all of this, someone mm. else is paying a cost, you yeah. know? We were only seeing the yen, but obviously the yang existed, you know? There was always the other side of the coin. And so, like, once we see it, like, I'm not surprised you're confused. And the fact that they're not robots makes them more sympathetic. 100%. Like, when you watch Separate Wives, it's like, destroy that robot. Yeah, when, you're happy when, when you're she stabs her this, friend. Yeah. You're like, I don't want any of these people to get killed. No. They're all being, they're all they're all being abused and exploited by this system. And the system, it's kind of like <clears throat> colonizers mm-hmm. went into uh, lands and separated out people uh, based on like phenotypes or body types and whatever and and said, you know, these people are in charge and these people are lower class. And then before they left in order to make sure that these people never rebelled and had their own resources, they were like, hey, JK, it's the other way around. And then created like these systems of war. This system is setting these women against each other. Like, hey, these girls are in charge. Well, they're rebelling. So like, actually, you're in charge now. Enjoy, guys. Like, you know, it's just, it's mm-hmm. it's such... It's such a systems of oppression. It's such a systems of work that, like, I understand that maybe some viewers don't, like, like they're like, you know, yeah, kill those jerks. But, like, I don't know. It's hard for me to imagine that just because I'm like, no, this is just bad across the board. Yeah. Because they're actual people with yeah. families that they're trying to care for and have sold themselves for the sake of caring for someone else, which speaks to a level of care and, like, empathy and determination that is a little bit stronger than what we see from the rich girls. So, like, you know, automatically a little bit of you rooting for the underdog, even though you don't want them to kill your friends. And I, I don't. And I don't think it's a mistake. Like, I kind of wonder if this is where the budget shows. Because, like, when they're in that yeah. underground facility, right, and, like, the, the poor girls, their doubles are hanging out in that like weird pool of like one assumes like healing water so that there's like they so that all their plastic surgeries don't hurt quite as much um yeah. or probably they don't or care about heal that. faster yeah they yeah. don't care about the pain it's about, about like that. acceleration yeah. yeah yeah they give that all of the the speaking parts really in that scene um to the actress aquafina 
And I think they do it because they know that of all of the actresses, she is probably she probably has like the most range. She's a fantastic actress, like is what I'm saying here. Yeah. And so she has to do a lot of that, like kind of hat trick of revealing the twist, making you feel empathetic for a person who is not feeling empathetic towards your um, protagonists, like all those things. And I and I think she pretty much pulls it off. But I do think that if they had had maybe like a just a smidge more budget. There would have been nothing wrong with getting like fading into a montage, maybe even echoing like a carousel horse, that carousel horse experience and mm-hmm. like showing these women. Showing, I agree. Yeah. Showing these showing, women like standing. The, the exact aesthetic opposite. Yes, exactly. And showing the world that they lived in. But they probably just didn't have enough money for it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, no. right? Like it's not. Yeah. It's not crazy. But I think that that would have made that scene stronger. But I, th- I think that they were crafty with what they did. I mean, if yeah. I if I was the casting person, I'd be like, she needs to deliver this because she's like, has the most rage. <laughs> like, give yeah. it to her. So there, there there's kind of two different ends in this movie. One of them super works for me. One of them super doesn't work for me. I'll reveal. It super works for me that Uma and her double escape. And yeah, me too. Very importantly, that Uma gives her double the best the best ending without making her do the labor so at the end the double is the bride she marries son she has the beautiful wedding and Mm -hmm. then when son goes to consummate their marriage uma is in the bed and she stabs him to death and then her double and then she escapes out the window and then her double who's been in full sight of everybody goes up discovers son's dead body suspected at all yep And and screams and then gets to live the life of a rich widow and w- when hopes has some autonomy while Uma yeah. like t- disappears in the night in her Robin Hood green cloak and yeah. that worked for me it's it's that cheesy so but I well liked it no I fucking loved <laughs> I liked it you don't it. yeah you don't have to explain that that mm-hmm. 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 what did not work for me is the fact that the Duchess is like a weird plant succubus yeah that's that that's when I keep on mentioning like weird plot stuff uh, that's 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 most of it for me and it's unfortunate because i love everything else about her up until that point everything else about her up until that point um i just don't think it's necessary to be like like because also like it's not really explained how she was transformed into this thing or is she supernatural what is she i mean but so but, for- it, but it seems like she's genetically engineered from the way she talks about like what mother did to her oh, or whatever I, that didn't but even like, occur to me but that's smart but, but also like it doesn't make sense like cuz we never meet genetically mother. engineer it because yeah and we don't understand like what exactly it is that she does she's able to like morph into this plant thing that like can crawl around and like drain people of like their life essence and I don't it doesn't it was make sense un, it was unnecessary it was unnecessary, it was unnecessary. Entirely. like we could have just seen a mass grave full of girls in princess dresses and we would have got it like it would have been totally I mean it's kind of it's kind of cool that all the flowers are basically growing on the power of the blood of the rich girls but yeah We've already had, like, kind of the rich contextualization of, like, the poor have fed themselves to the rich and have commoditized themselves to the rich because the rich also wants to commoditize their own flesh and blood. Like, we've already that that's rich enough. We don't need we don't need to build on, like, add like another wonky element. It's also important to notice note that the um, the Duchess 
is uh, played by sci-fi royalty. It's uh, Mila Djokovic from Fifth Element, and she's awesome mm. in it. <laughs> it's she like, is. She's so, she's great. She's so awesome. I think, like, all of the scenes where you see her, like, talking to mostly Uma is who you see her talking to, or just, like, flouncing around, um, are, aw- are awesome. And she can kind of, she has all this, like cryptic lines about mother the way i read it was i was like oh it's like mother nature and she's this like genetic freak and this is all she can do but either way it's neither one of those reads is like is great you know what i mean like that's not i don't love it doesn't fix anything for me to believe either of those things i think yours makes more sense to me because i it really bugged me that she was like sort of this like high fantasy element so i prefer that it's genetic no, for for sure, but it just but it doesn't. Well, it's an unnecessary thread to, for them to have pulled that makes some stuff unravel. Not enough to uh, ruin the movie, no, by any stretch. But, but it's a, just yeah, it's, it's, it's a, a little bad. bit like you're watching the part and you're like, wait, what? Yeah, really? Well, and I kind of expected because she kept talking about mother. I kind of expected there to be a mother, and then to make yeah. it clear that she was sent to this reform school. And now is doomed to run it because she could not reform. That's what I thought was going to happen. Yeah. Um, I thought we were going to eventually get to meet Mother and realize that the the headmistress is like is just like these girls, which also would have been pat and like not terribly creative. But yeah, I think I would have liked it more. At least totally. it would have then totally. at least grounded it in the same universe. This felt very departure, like a departure. Yeah. The other things that, like, work less for me is I think that Uma's backstory with her dad and, like, how Sun runs him out of business and causes him to commit suicide was, like, really over the top. I, I can see why no, people for sure. say this is muddled. That's what they're talking about. There's, like, a, just yeah. a lot of extra stuff in this movie that you don't need. could have It could have been pared down. I also think they could have risked making Uma rebel for kind of no reason and and taken that risk on us. Like, Sun doesn't have to be... I mean, because he gets murdered, he has to be sort of a bad guy. That's probably why they made him her father's murderer. No, that's murderer. definitely why. But I think they could have trusted us with a little bit more empathy for someone who has some unsympathetic qualities. No, Mary. <laughs> they had to be a murderer. Otherwise, to... why did she suck it up and just marry someone she didn't want to marry? Like, come on. Totally. I would say if there's anything that I that like, I think that the performances in this movie are really good. I don't think that they give Chloe and you a ton of things to do. They're a little one dimensional. Yeah, they're a little bit secondary. So here's what what I buy. In a situation like this, you would automatically bond with the people who were in the same situation as you in terms of, like, the newest. Like, it's an us v. them. That in and of itself, being in this hyper new environment, especially when you realize, like, everyone else is a little bit off kilter, so it's not like there's, like, cliques to fall into. To me, that friendship part made sense. Like, bonding. The only one that then wouldn't have made sense would be Amarna, but, like, uh, I think that they explain that with, like, sexual attraction is yeah. why she breaks out of... Um, whatever group she came in with and also she meets like uma like when uma first comes on like immediately so like you know it's not like it's not like oh i just happened to see you across the room it's like oh no i i saw you when you got here and had a lot of spirit and wanted to get out you know mm-hmm. yeah, like an instant attraction to you and your rawest yep. form yeah 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 i mean i yeah i just i feel like if if 
if I were the editor in this, like if I were editing the screenplay, I would be like, cut some of Uma's backstory because like we already like her and give yeah, Chloe we don't and, need to know. Yeah. yeah, give Chloe and you a little bit more to do. So they have, I agree. So they kind of pop a little bit off the, the screen. What I do like is I think that there's a lot of trust laid on the audience to understand mm-hmm. that bonds between women are important without being yeah. like, they are so important. Boom. Like they don't hit you over the head with it. But like you're just expected to know that. And then they just kind of show they show them like rambling around this beautiful landscape. And you're like, oh, yeah, they're like they're, they're a squad. This is cool. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. Another place is like it's obvious that there's going to be no woman left behind. Like when you see when Uma is talking to them and being like, let's escape. Let's escape tonight. They're doping up our milk. That's what makes us sleep through the night. You need to go spit out your milk. Although she says, throw up your milk. And I was like, nah, I don't know if that's like great. Well, the first time she definitely it's very spits clear it out. She just spits it out. After that, they all puke up their And it's like, why? Guys, like literally, you could just keep it in your mouth and get yeah, to just, the bathroom and spit it out. Like, just this is unnecessary. Or maybe like chuck it in a bush. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. Um, I like that there's like a so so you see Uma have this like moment of of panic that she's the only one who's going to escape and she, she doesn't want to leave her friends behind and when they join her you see her like grow in her own strength and be like yes this is the right thing to do when you is carried away by uh, the orderlies um, to be killed which they don't even know that at that point right they're like no. we can't leave her behind we got to go get her and that honestly that that felt real to me too because like. They had they had they had come in this far together like this was especially when you know that at home you feel rejected and not seen you're open to finding a surrogate family you know and and all of these women needed that well and I think it also trades on just like kind of some natural things where it's like we know the world is not safe for a woman by herself we're 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 socialized yeah. that way and yeah. and also we have good reason to believe that that is true <laughs> like we yeah. have you know so like. If there is a girl, if there's a woman in trouble, like if there's a girl at the bar who clearly needs your help, you're not going to leave and just be like, she'll no. figure it out. You're going to help her. Or like, yeah. if, you know, we came here together. I'm not leaving unless I know that you're safe. Yeah. Um, hey, text text me when you get home. Exactly. You know? Exactly. So it felt it felt very natural and, and right. And I like that. Once again, they're not like it's because women are a friendship among women. There's no like turning to the camera. And being like, and we need to winking. explain this to you because we yeah. expect you not to understand. They expect you to just understand, which is which is cool. Smart. What did you make of the what did you make of the romantic subplot? Okay, so um, I'd love to talk a little bit about the romantic subplot, which exists between Armarna and uh, Uma. And mm-hmm. I was, <clears throat> guys, again, surprise. I know I never tell you all this. I'm a lesbian. I was what? into. Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was into it. Uh, I it feels real. It feels genuine. It's just at least on the Marna side. Uh, Uma, like I can see being interested in it. It's confusing when then they bring in like her like ex. Oh, Uma's ex. Yeah, yeah. And like they have sex, and then it's like, oh no, he betrayed me, and like. And then she's like open to like being with Amarna, kind of, and they're gonna run away together, and all of, like all of that tracks. Like that part all makes sense to me. Um, but but it's 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 all the muddling that is what I think makes it feel like queer baiting to some people. You know? Yeah. I mean, I don't. I think, don't think. It I don't is really think it is. 
But no, me either. I think they but, could have leaned into it more. But I, I trust yeah. your call on it more than my, my 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 own feelings on the matter. I yeah. There's this scene. There's this weird scene where I think that you're what you're seeing at the same time is uh, mirror therapy, and it's Uma talking, and then Amarna talking. And they're both telling stories that are different, but have the same emotional beats about saying goodbye to a or like being afraid of losing a woman who's important to them and telling her that they love they they love her, but it being the last time that they've told her that they loved her. And I I've watched it. So it's obvious once I mean, like, it's obvious that. Amarna is talking about a girlfriend. Like that's clear. Yeah. It's not yeah. totally clear who Uma is talking about. I think yeah. we're. I think we're meant to think she's talking about her mother and like afraid of losing her mother. The, her story is Amarna is talking about when she's becoming famous and she's going to leave, quote unquote, to go yeah. like do her career. And she says, "I love you" to this this woman who she had a relationship with, and then she and that's the last time she ever saw her, and it's it's sad. I think what Uma's talking about is she was like on a beach with a woman and they swam out too far and the woman almost drowned and then they made it back to the beach and she was just like holding her body and she said, I loved you. But I think she's talking about her mom because the last time we saw mirror therapy, she's talking about her mom. Like that's what the duchess the, or the headmaster wants, ma- mistress wants her to talk about when she's in mirror therapy. Yes. Yeah. But it's never made totally clear. So I kind of wonder if Uma is, has had relationships with men and women, if that's the implication there. And 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 that's just like another moment where I just like I wish that they built it out more. It's interesting because yeah. I do think that like there's this element. So what what's useful about Marcus, I think is his name, her ex-boyfriend being there. And we yeah. find out later he's like actually just acting as a performer because he was given a fat check by her mom and told that like she had chosen like son over him, which... All of which is shitty and sucks. Um, oh, I think he just and, did it for the money. I don't think he. Believed oh anything. no, no, no! I don't. I don't yeah. think he believed. No, no, no! The shitty and sucks. I meant him making yeah, this yeah, choice yeah. because yeah. Yeah. I don't like. He can say like it was what your mom said, but like it was money. Um, yeah, it was. It was choosing that over uh, her. And there is like this element of like that I do think is. It's in a lot of literature wherein like there are these bonds between women, which is that like they can't trust the men in their lives. Like, they can't trust that this person who is not living in the hellscape that they're living in, living under the control that they're living in, can really understand at a foundational level who they are the way that the woman in front of them can. Mm-hmm. And I do think that's... a And 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 that has worked in literature as having, like, a queer subtext and, like, in, um, like, Restoration Era lit and stuff. Um, because... There is something really powerful about that. And I do think that this was an interesting thread. And I think this movie is doing a lot. So I'm not like mad about it. But like, you know, there's it's clearly supposed to be like I, it's clearly supposed to be love. Um, mm-hmm. And to the point that the Duchess knows that. And so shows like, you know, a, vi- a commercial like a vi- like a video clip of like Amarna's replacement, like making out with a dude and being like, look, she's fine. Doesn't even miss you, you know? Yeah. So I think I think we're supposed to think that Uma's queer too. That was that was my yeah, read. I agree. Yeah, yeah. me too. Um, me and- too. Just another way in which she's deviant and different, and like maybe her love of Marcus was just like the less deviant thing, but like no matter what, she wasn't fitting the mold. Yeah. Or but she's yeah, pan. No, I and definitely. She, she goes both ways. But yeah. Sure. 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 Well, no, and that's what I meant by like deviant and different. I I, yeah. I don't mean a lesbian. I mean like you know. Just yeah. 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 Having different interests. 
Yeah. Yeah. Different intros. She's, she's into different things. I definitely think that it's meant to show that this world, similar to the world that we live in now, um, feels that bonds between women, especially sexual bonds between women, threaten uh, the patriarchal control, for sure. But I also think that it implies that this is a society that doesn't approve of queer people in general. That, like, one of the things that needed to be fixed about Amarna is that she liked women. She wanted to date other women. (laughs) Yeah. And that to fix her, she needs to be in a relationship with a man. Um, Yeah. Which which was which was subtle, but but good. I I enjoyed that aspect of it, too, where, you know, you didn't necessarily make that connection while she was there. But once you see you're like, oh, yeah, of course, (laughs) of course. And it gave you a greater hint about what the outside world was like. You're in a world where a pop star can't be gay. That's that's pretty damn conservative. um, Yeah. And repressive. Right. Uh, or, or you know, or not that long ago, honestly. Um, but yeah, but not that long ago was conservative and repressive. But yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah. Do you like this movie? Do you think it's important? Do you recommend it? Well, at the end of this podcast, I have to say, I hated this movie. I don't recommend it. It's not feminist. <laughs> JK, JK, JK. Uh, yeah, this movie was a, 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 it's a fuck ton of fun. Um, yeah. I, I, you know, I enjoyed it. It's gorgeous. I recommend it. And I think it's feminist. You know? Yeah. Hell yeah. Is this movie like the most serious thing in the entire world? No. no. But that's not why you're watching it. Like, have a, have a, enjoy a campy good time at like high art values, like at, in, like at indie art film, like, you know, like filmic values and uh, enjoy it. You know? It's a good time. I feel like this can go pound for pound against a, a Hunger Games. Um, I think the story is equally good. I think that the social critique is equally interesting. I think perhaps this one is almost even more interesting in some ways um, because it's it's not it's not uh, it's not explored as far as I know by different other media from different countries um, that the creator pretends like they don't know about um, (laughs) Battle Royale. (laughs) 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 <laughs> but I love this movie. I think it's beautiful. I think it has messy parts. I think that it needed some, like, another little spifferoo on the on the script. But I love that it was made. I think that it is feminist. I think it's interesting. I think it does, it takes a lot of recognizable parts of science fiction stories and then gives us a real gut punch of a twist that makes you think about them differently. And I hope, yep. this is a directorial debut. I hope she makes, I hope that Waddington makes a million other movies. Me I too. I love her aesthetic. I love the kind of story she wants to tell. I I hope that I hope that she goes on and, and does great things and I will watch whatever she makes. Here fucking here. Here here. Thank you as always for listening to Space Bros. Uh please head over to iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, the podcast app of your choice to please rate and review us. Five stars. If you want to check us out on social media, we are uh, on Instagram and Twitter and sometimes Facebook at space underscore bras with an S. And you can also find us over at outrageousmechanisms.com slash space dash bras. And until then, please join us as we raise our glasses and give the official toast of space bras. In these troubled times, we must remember that even though everyone else might suck, we are awesome. And the galaxy is ours. Cheers!
outrageous?